Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. And the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the life Amen, amen. Come on, give a clap offering. Just find somebody near you and declare the peace of God over them. Declare the healing of the Lord. Declare the favor of God. Declare the blessings. Declare answered prayers and favor over their lives. Come on, come on. I declare blessings and favor over your life in the name of Jesus. Peace over your life. The presence of God with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I declare peace over your life in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you can have a seat and uh, got your Bible. You can go ahead and open it to Acts chapter one. Yeah, Duke, has it been a long week? It's been a good week. Okay, good. With that sigh, I thought he was like, oh, oh, God, I got to listen to this guy again. Like, yeah, okay. You never know. You never know in ministry these days, you know. You just, you just never know. My wife and I um, just came back from uh, uh, Gatlinburg where we were at a pastor's retreat, which was beautiful and uh, prophetic and anointed, and God met us there, and um, it, was, it was really quite good, and uh, there is a string that comes from my uh, microphone here, and it's pulling down my back, and it's driving me crazy, and uh, when we become a live church, we're going to have all these bugs worked out. There will be a, a special armor bearer that does nothing but has my mic set up. That's... That's what's going to happen in our celestial kingdom when uh, we go live with this thing. We're having a pre, pre-launch services now, going on about 12 years of pre-launch services, but when we get this thing worked out, man, it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be something amazing. Hey, uh, I want to reiterate an announcement my wife had about Bishop Mark Sharona coming. Um, this is going to be a really special service, and I, uh, I, would, I would really appreciate if you could make it. Um, I'll talk more about this at some point, well, probably next week. But uh, uh, Mark Sharon is coming down. He's going to ordain my wife and I. He's going to be officially uh, my bishop. And um, it's going to be a big deal. It is a uh, prophetic moment. Um, and uh, uh, Bishop Mark Sharon is known all through. Like he's known in every sphere of the, of the church. Um, he speaks in um, academic circles. He speaks at Voice of the Prophets with Randy Clark. He speaks at everywhere in between. Um, he is just finishing up his uh, second doctorate uh, and um, uh, in, in his uh, doctoral dissertation is on the legitimacy of prophetic ministry, where he charts prophetic ministry from the early patristics to now to show what prophetic ministry is supposed to look like biblically. He has spoken powerfully into my life, and uh, I believe he'll have a really good word for our house, but specifically for me. And uh, I would love you to come witness it. <laughs> I am, I would love for you to come be a part of it. So please, if you have an opportunity, go ahead and put that on your calendar and join us. And when I say join us, I don't mean online. I mean, be in the room. Amen. Amen. Like, you know, like date nights are good, right? But you want to be in the room. Let's let's be in the room. All right. Um, So praise God. Thank you. Today, if you're not um, following the calendar, today is what we call Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday is the Sunday that we celebrate, watch this, the ascension of Christ, where he was ascended into heaven. Funny how they, they did that, right? They're the marketing geniuses um, about 17, 1800 years ago. Um, and and what, what, what happened is, uh, you know, we don't, give, we don't give the ascension of Christ the attention it deserves. It's kind of like something that happened in between other important things. But uh, my goal today is to try to to try to like invoke faith in you that the fact that Christ has risen has super important implications for your life and your relationship with God, okay? Are, are we good? And, you know, in the Nicene Creed, we, 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 we um, declare the Apostles' Creed every Sunday because it's shorter than the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is a little more uh, uh, all-encompassing. It's more comprehensive, but it's longer. And I'm, uh, you know, got ADD. So, uh, you know, on the, in the Nicene Creed, it says, On the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand 
of the Father. And so here we are. You can change the graphic here. We're in our Jesus is Alive message series, Josh. And what we're talking about is the fact that Jesus is alive and what that means for our life today. I am going to really try to stay focused today because I feel like I have a good message. But um, p- part of you know, the prophetic anointing in this church that annoyed some people, can we just be honest, is uh, there's a call to reformation on this house. If you're in here and you feel called to Revival Life Church, you have a call to reformation. You may, you may want to reform uh, the business realm. You may want to reform um, how families operate. You may want to reform our economy. Uh, you may want to reform parts of the ministry. But you see an injustice and you want to fix it. That is what is on this house. We want to fix injustice. And injustice comes in many, many, many ways. Injustice comes where, you know, a, a husband is lording over his wife. Injustice comes when um, workers are being exploited by industries. Injustice comes when people say that, that you can't get to God except through them. When Jesus Christ said he is the only mediator. Injustice comes many, many ways. And, and you are called to break injustice. It's who we are. And uh, Jesus Christ, so, so, so I say that to say um, this is always an underlying current in my life. Like, I see injustice, and I want to rail against it. And uh, the Lord is helping me to uh, refocus that, to build healthy structures, and then compare them to unjust structures. Now, it's a lot more popular just, just, to, just, just to tell everybody, hey, everything's great. Let's act like there's nothing wrong and just keep living our lives. But that's not how Christ lived. That's not how the apostles lived. They were all martyred for a reason. They all were reformers. And so we are reformers, and it's not always the most popular thing, but I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to hear well done. Can you say amen? amen? I just believe it. But we see Jesus uh, uh, ascending into heaven, and you all, you all know the story, and we're going to unpack it a little bit later. But I want you, when you think about Jesus ascending into heaven, uh, there, there's, a, there's a pattern of this in the Scriptures. Uh, we see, you remember Elijah the prophet uh, had Elisha as his disciple. And when Elijah uh, ascended into heaven, uh, he left a double portion anointing for Elisha. Now, I have been in a whole bunch of really bad church services who tried to say that you could get a double portion in that service. And I want to be like, bruh, you ain't Elijah. <laughs> and I'm not Elisha. And that's not how it works. This, it, 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 and, and not for nothing, I've been in a whole bunch of double portion anointings, and i never once seen anybody get a double portion. Because literally, I, want to unpack, I don't know who this is for, but I want to pack this for someone. The Lord has anointed me to lead this local church. This is, this is the call of God in my life. I am, the Lord has called me to lead this local church. That's what I am anointed to do. If I give you a double portion of my anointing, that means that you are doubly called to lead this church. So if I really believed in that, then I should sit down and let you be this pastor. Have you ever been in a double portion anointing service where somebody gave the anointing and then sat down and said, now you lead? Never, because they don't actually believe it. It's just not true. Okay, Carl, stay focused. All right, but, but, but Jesus, right, watch this, but Elijah... Elijah ascended, told Elisha, you're going to have a double portion of my anointing. This was all a prophetic sign of what would happen when Christ ascended. When Jesus ascended and left the anointing for the church, remember Jesus said, greater work shall you do than I did because I go to the Father. This was a sign that the church would have a farther impact by the Spirit than Jesus was able to do as a single individual. No longer is it just Jesus ministering, but it's Jesus and his bride, a double portion, right? Are, are you getting this? And so now we see that you know, Christ ascended and he left the anointing. Another thing that we see in this ascension story is this, this theme of 40 days. Now, if you haven't read your Bible, I encourage you to start anywhere, right? And just start reading. 
don't start in Genesis. You're not going to understand it. It, it just, it's complicated. There's a, a lot of history involved, and you'll read it like it's a history book, and you'll start getting this stuff, and you'll be like, I don't get that. And of course you don't get that. You're not a Jew from 2000 BC. Of course you won't get it, right? You have to actually understand who they're talking to, right? Read the Psalms. Read Kings. Read, read, read the Gospels. The Gospels is a great place to start, right? But read the Bible. Right? But as you read the Bible, you start seeing these patterns of 40 days. And, 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 and the, at the ascension, Jesus, after he had been resurrected on resurrection, uh, what we call Resurrection Sunday or Easter, uh, it was 40 days until he was assumed into heaven. Right? And we see this 40-day pattern often when in the story of Noah's Ark, the Bible says that it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Right? The, the Hebrew people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, Moses and Elijah both went into the wilderness for 40 days to discover the will of God. Of course, it's in Exodus for Moses in 1 Kings 19 for Elijah. And if you remember, after Jesus was water baptized in the theophany, we call it, uh, where the spirit landed upon him, he was led into the wilderness for, guess what, 40 days, right? And he went in there uh, looking for, they all, all these people, Elijah, Moses, Jesus, they all went into the wilderness to discover the power of God. There is a pattern in the Bible. We rarely truly discover the power of God in a church service. We get it at the end of searching. Now, we may get it in a church service, but it comes from a time of wilderness seeking. Now, all of these people in these instances, they fasted and they prepared for their mission. They, they all came to represent different aspects of God with us. We have to remember as we read the scriptures, it all points to Jesus, right? The whole thing is written to glorify God. And so when, um, when Moses went into the wilderness, right, he came out with the Torah, right? When Elijah went into the wilderness, he came out prophesying the prophetic word of the Lord. Jesus went into the, king, went into the wilderness and he came out with the good news of God's kingdom, right? We're just trying to lay a little foundation here that the Bible is not haphazardly thrown together. There's actually a story that God is unfolding with certain prophetic patterns that he wants us to pick up so that we can know God and understand his ways. Now, the, the, this, this good news of the kingdom of God came from Christ after being tested by the enemy in the wilderness. And, and I want, you know, this, this Bible is not all about me. It's not all about you. But when we study it and we learn the God of the Bible, we start learning how to relate to him by who he really is. He chose to have these stories written to display who he is. Now, you might be in a wilderness season right now. Even though you aren't Elijah and you aren't Moses and we certainly aren't Jesus, but we certainly are men created in his image and women created in his image. And you might be in a wilderness season right now. I want to tell you, seek what God is doing because he loves to meet expectant people in the wilderness. Listen, when you find yourself in a season when you don't know like what is going on, what is going to happen, you feel like I don't know where God is. I thought I was following him or maybe you didn't know you were following him. Maybe you just think you're all alone in this time of transition, in this time of trouble, in this time of aloneness. You may feel forlorn and forsaken. Like in that wilderness experience, you got two voices. And one of them is louder than the other. The voice of the enemy was demonstrated in Christ's wilderness experience. And the enemy is constantly trying to tell you to blame God and trust yourself. To do it on your own. 
to abandon the godly ideas and just do it your own way. But the Word of God speaks more clearly to your wilderness experience. The Word of God tells us that in your wilderness experience, in that moment, you have the greatest opportunity you have ever had to have reformation breakthrough with Jesus Christ. That you are to seek Him in the wilderness. The Lord loves to speak to His children in the wilderness. You see, in the wilderness, all the other cares have fallen by the wayside. Everything that you have trusted in has been removed. And you will find in the wilderness experience, if you just work your way through the Psalms, Christ will be your all and all. And He wants to speak to you. He loves. He loves to meet expectant people in the wilderness. Now, after Jesus died and was resurrected and ascended, I, I, I don't know if they remembered these 40-day patterns in the Scriptures or not. I have a feeling they did. But, but, but you need to remember that in your day of struggle, there is a pattern of 40-day wilderness experiences where people come out the other side with a new mission, with a new anointing, with a new presence, with a new calling, with a new season with God. And I'm here to tell you it's going to happen for you as well. Can you say amen? I believe it in my heart. But now we have a fourth 40-day 40 40-day 40 story. Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness, but again, now we have a 40-day story where we have in between His resurrection and His ascension. And Jesus didn't fast in this one, and and he wasn't alone. As a matter of fact, we see him eating a lot. Now, that's, that's the kind of 40-day season I want. I want a 40-day season where I'm hanging out with my friends and eating food, right? Like, that's, that's the 40-day season I like. I, 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 you know, when, 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 when you're in your 40-day season, you know, you're going to feel alone. And if we're going to be a truly prophetic church, hear me on this. If we're going to be a truly prophetic church, we need to be prophetic enough to discern when people are in their 40-day season. And we need to be present. We need to be connected enough to one another to be calling people who are going through their wilderness season and letting them know you are not alone. Because you will feel alone. You will feel abandoned. You will feel forlorn. And I thank God for the wilderness seasons in my life that the Lord was stretching me working things out of me, forcing me to die to things that people kept calling me and saying, man, you're going to make it through this when I didn't even believe them, when, 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 when you know, you, God still has a, a plan for you, when I wasn't sure I ever heard God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I met, I met with a, uh, a mentor uh, this week, and uh, I, I had gone through a really, really, really bad season once. And uh, he would call me to check on me. And um, I got to the place where I couldn't even take his phone calls. Because I was in such a low place, I couldn't even receive encouragement. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> couldn't even pick up the phone because I couldn't even fake being happy enough to talk to him. Like, I just, I, I, I just, I just wanted it to be like, you, you know, you've been there, right? Like, and, 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 but he kept calling. And he kept calling. And he kept calling. And eventually, I got to the place, this is, this is a good word, eventually I got to the place where I just said, uh, and I was talking, got to a better place, and the Lord had healed, healed me to a certain extent, and I, I'd, I'd met with him uh, recently in, in person because I hadn't seen him, and I met with some of his friends, I, it was a gathering of uh, people that he knew from all over the country, and I met people, and, uh, and I introduced myself, oh, I know, I know this guy this way, and he goes, oh, he told me that he knew, he knew a guy who was really in a, in a season of trial to be praying for him, and, and that, that must be you. I was like, yeah, that was, that was, that was me. And, and, and I'm like, man, this is what the prophetic church is supposed to be. The prophetic church is not one that makes up things, you know, to give, like, that, that, that's just weird, right? Like, this, like, prophetic is like, I see 
the need that Christ wants to meet in your life, and I am rallying the church of Jesus Christ to come to your assistance. I am, I am calling on the heavenly host to come meet you. I am calling on the church of Jesus Christ to meet you. I am, I am, I am inconveniencing myself. This is what a prophetic church looks like. I see the heart of God towards God's people, and I have chosen to make a difference. The GO team this Saturday alone fed 120 people on the streets of South Florida. Come on, somebody. Now, I, 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 um, I'm like, and I think he had 15 salvations in that. Um, that's, that's good news right there, right? And I'm like, I'm like, I hate that there was 120 hungry people, but I love that there's someone who said, well, I'll make that my need. I'll make that, that's prophetic. All right, I'll just, I'm, I'll just keep going on with this. But Jesus was eating with his disciples. And, 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 um, and, uh, and, so, and so he got his, uh, after 40 days, he got his disciples together. And uh, he began to speak to them in Acts chapter 1. Here we go. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. Jesus got his disciples together. The word of God says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now, I have preached this message about nine billion times on the baptism of the Spirit, and uh, I, I will preach it again. But today, we're going to look at it a little different. Is that all right? Now, again, remember this Elijah, Elisha dynamic. Jesus said, I am going but I'm going to leave some spiritual equipping for you here on the earth. Elijah ascended and left the anointing for Elisha. Jesus was ascending and he was going to leave the Spirit of God for the church. He ascended, I want you to hear this, Jesus ascended that the Spirit might descend. Right? Jesus ascended so that the Spirit might descend. Now, again, you might be in the wilderness, but I want you to know that God has not abandoned you. You are there to discover the power of God for your situation so you can demonstrate the power of God for someone else. This is, this is, this is so important. I could just imagine the disciples, you, you got to remember, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just young guys, right? They were mostly teenagers, late teens, and uh, maybe early 20s. Jesus wasn't exactly an old sage, right? He was in his 30s. And uh, they were nobodies, really nobodies, and they became somebodies. Not only did they become somebodies, they thought that the future of Israel was going was was, was, was to be marked by their lives. Now, Israel has a, a long history of remembering its heroes, right? Originally in oral tradition, and then later it was written down. But we have a couple thousand years of Israel's history in a book that people memorize. Imagine if you thought that you were going to be in that book that people were going to memorize for thousands of years into the future, right? And, and, and so these nobodies thought, man, could my life actually matter? Could, 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 could my little fisherman life, my little, like I was a sinner, like could, could that really like be marked with like David and, 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 and Solomon and, 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 and Josiah? Is it really possible? And as they went with Jesus and they were following him, Jesus was murdered and it was all destroyed in that moment. It was all washed away, and I, I, I want to, it's important that we read the Bible to get His promises in us, but it's equally important to understand the people in the Bible so we can understand what Jesus was speaking to. And I could just imagine the hurt and the disappointment and um, the disillusionment, the abandonment issues that the disciples had after their Messiah, who they believe the Messiah, their rabbi, was murdered. And then, a certain number of days later, he shows up alive. Now what do you think? Like, I thought he was great before. Now he can't even die. 
what are we going to do now? Now he can't, they can't even kill him. I mean, because that was the big threat. If you remember, as they walked with him, the Jews wanted to kill him. The Pharisees wanted to kill him. The Sadducees wanted to kill him. The, 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 the Romans wanted to kill him. Like, everybody wanted to kill him. Like, that was the big fear. You can't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill us all. Like, you can't go there. And then Jesus is like, guess what? No, you can't kill me. Like, now what do they have? What, 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 what do they possibly have against Jesus? Like, we're, we have the unstoppable army now. And then Jesus tells them, once they get this figuring that there's this unstoppable army, Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm, 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 I'm leaving. Like, whoa, wait. Wait, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, the, can you imagine the emotional turmoil they're going through? The wilderness that they were experiencing. Listen, in this, in this, in this wilderness that Jesus was about to send them into for 10 days, they, they didn't know this. They didn't know that in this, in this wilderness, God had, had foreplanned it in his divine crafting of the world. As Jesus decided how this entire thing was going to be laid out in the Father's wisdom as he revealed it, these disciples had no idea that the Father had this all planned out, that they would go into a wilderness that they did not know was only going to be 10 days. Their hope was disappearing, but Jesus was sending them into a wilderness that was going to have a very beautiful payoff. Here's what I want you to know about these wilderness experiences. There is an anointing waiting for you in the wilderness. Can you say amen? There is an anointing waiting for you in the wilderness. When you feel far from God, you want to search Him. You want to pray. You want to seek the Lord that you can discover the anointing He has left for you in the wilderness. God wants you to come out of this current trial with greater faith, with greater peace, with greater trust in Him. Can you say amen? I mean, I feel this in my spirit. I feel it strong. And, 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 and um, it's easy for us to proclaim a gospel that says there will be no trial and there will be no wilderness. The problem is it's not biblical. Nobody that you Respect in the word, live the life without trials. And there's nobody in your life that you should respect that hasn't made it through trials honorably. John chapter 20, verse 30 says this. It says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31 but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Leave that up for a second. I want to talk about believe. I want to talk about believe. And I, I, I feel like I'm up here right now with a jackhammer. And I am trying to create a hole in your heart for faith in Jesus Christ. I, I don't want you to have faith in yourself. I don't want you to have faith in the government. I don't want you to have faith in this church. I don't want you to have faith in these times. I want you to have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Believe there is a, is a funny, amen, 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 amen. Believe there is, 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 is uh, we, we, we start to think like belief has something to do with understanding or agreement. Believe is not that. Believe is when you trust in something. It's when you put your faith in something. It's when you rely on something. It's when you have total trust in a person, a thing, a, a, a statement. Faith is not convincing yourself of something. That's not it. Faith can't come from you. Faith either, either comes uh, as, a, as a gift from the Father or a fruit of the Spirit. Faith is something inside of you. It's, it's not understanding. It's not agreeing or being convinced. Faith is having your mind completely in agreement with God in a way that His life lives in you. This is what faith is. Faith is when the, the truth of God, 
what your spirit man was created to be, who you were before the foundation of the world, when God originally thought of you, what he originally thought about you. Faith is when you line up with that original plan for God in your life. Faith is when you completely have your mind renewed to believe utterly what God has said, who God is, and what God will do. It only happens when you line up with God. You can't talk yourself into faith. You can't work yourself into faith. You have to come into faith by killing every other bit of doubt in your mind, rebuking every thought that does not line up with God's Word, and then receiving the faith that Jesus Christ wants to give to you. Can you say amen? I want you to hear this. So much faith teaching says that it relies on you and what you believe. I want to let you know God has faith and he wants to put it on the inside of you for the impossible. Come on, I want to say it again. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He didn't even do that on his own self. It wasn't the faith of Jesus Christ that raised him. It was the Holy Ghost that raised him from the dead. Come on, somebody. God wants by his spirit to put faith in you for the impossible. This has been written so that you may, say it together, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Now, you may be in the wilderness right now, not experiencing life. And God is like, in that wilderness, I have hidden a little special game token for you, right? And you are on a side quest in this, in this little uh, uh, wilderness experience. Because in this side quest, he has left some faith that you need to discover. And you're going to go on a journey. And in this side quest, in this, in this, in this season of struggle, there's going to be some things stripped off of you that you thought were important. You know, when you got on like a $1,000 suit and you got a, a $10,000 bag that's all heavy and you got on fancy stuff and you have to walk through a desert, I promise you by the time you get to the other side of the desert, you ain't going to care about the bag. You ain't going to care about the clothes. You're going to drop all that stuff because what you're going to care about is staying alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? You know, what you care about is what's really important. And when you get into the wilderness experience, God takes you there because he's like, you're carrying some stuff that is working against what I have you to do. You think all this stuff is valuable, but it's really just weighing you down. And some of it actually is a plot of the devil in your life. And what you're going to do is you're going to have some of these valuable things in your life. And in the desert, the Lord says he's going to have some stuff. But in order to get to the oasis of faith that you need, you're going to have to drop some dead weight. And you're going to like, oh, God, why do I have to give this thing up? He's like, because you can't get there from here with that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so the Lord is going to have to make you strip some things. Man, and it's a painful process. It is. A, it, it like it, Don't let nobody lie to you. You come into Christianity and it's like gooder and gooder and better and better and just happy clappy church and it's a lie from the devil. That's what the devil wants you to think. Like you could just have the American dream and have God's dream at the same time. There's a reason they don't call the American dream God's dream because it's not the same thing. And if you're going to come into God's dream, you're going to have to give up some stuff that looks good that other people have. And you're going to have to say, I have chosen Christ over this. And you're going to strip some stuff, but then you're going to get to that oasis. And you're going to be like, man, I've been walking around this thing. You remember the, 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 the Israelites walked around a mountain for 40 years and they could have just got to the promised land. The problem was they didn't give up some stuff they needed to give up to get over. And the stuff they needed to give up was doubt and trusting in their own power. Their little backup plan of self. Their little backup plan that I could do it on my own. And God's like, all that's got to die before I can let you in. Because when they crossed over into the promised land, they had to do everything supernaturally. I don't have time to go down that road right now. But when you go through the desert, the Lord is there to strip some things. When you know you're in a desert season, you might as well just say, Lord, just take what you need to take. Just like, I had some plans. I, I, I had some dreams. I thought I knew what was happening. Uh, but but clearly we're 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 here in the remediation uh, season right now, right? We're in a little summer school because what I what I was supposed to learn during the school year apparently I missed, and now I'm giving up my summer for summer school to learn what I should have learned in that last season. Strip off some things. And uh, have you ever noticed that you know regular school takes all year, summer school only takes but a couple weeks. 
Why is that? Why is that? Because most of what they taught you was fluff, right? Like, now I'm going to just tell you what's really important for a couple of weeks. This is, this is really, I want you to focus on this. And so when you get into those desert seasons, it's like summer school. It's intense. Like, everything's a lesson. Like, you usually just go do stuff. Now, now you see the suffering everywhere, right? Like, everywhere. <laughs> Depression used to just visit you for a second. Now it's your, your ever-present help. And, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're walking through the desert season, it's everywhere you turn, it's, it's there. Because the Lord's like, we're going we're gonna to do some intensified training in this season, right? Like, like, like we, we're going to go through some things because I need to work this out of you because we've got to go somewhere, right? And so, so this, by believing, this, 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 this believing, it's, it's putting your trust in, 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 in the desert season. And the goal, God's goal in you believing, hear me, hear me. His goal is not to clear up the mystery for you. Like, like when you find yourself, I man, I just feel like this is a pastoral message. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just talking. I hope, I hope, hope, hope this is helping some people. Listen, when you get into this season of, 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 of this desert season, you, you, we always want to look back and ask God, like, why? We say things like, I don't understand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't understand why I'm in this season. And so we waste so much of our season asking God how we got into the season instead of just accepting this is the season I'm in. How do I deal with the season? You never solve nothing complaining about how you got in the season. You can't fix it. You can't get out of it. Like, and so we just keep looking back. And, and, and um, this, is, this is the difference between reminiscing and melancholy. Okay, when you look back and you remember the good times, like, like maybe you had a relationship, maybe, maybe you had a good season, a good job, a good ministry season, and you look back and you remember the good times and, it, and you relive that joy, that's godly, that's called reminiscing, right? Now, if that thing dies and we look back and we try to keep that season alive, by meditating on the pain of its death, that's called melancholy. That traps you in the season of death. That doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring joy. And it actually robs you from the ability to look forward. You see what I'm saying? Because we're keeping the death alive instead of the, the high top, the mountaintop periods alive. Instead of the testimony of Christ, we're, 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 we're focusing on the work of the enemy. And then we wonder why the depression isn't going away. We wonder why we're, you know, we can't pick up the phone when people come to encourage us because we're living in the melancholy. I feel like that's a good word right there. That's going to help somebody. I, I tell you what. And so the goal in your desert season is not to try to resolve the mystery of why. And, and if you've just been hurt, you've just been abandoned, you've just been abused, you're going to spend some time unpacking that. I, I get that. But, but the goal, God's goal is, 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 is to say, listen, yeah, that was awful. You didn't deserve it. It happened now. What is God, what's God doing here now in my life? Right? The goal is, is, is not that you would unpack it and get out of this season. The goal is that you would have faith in Jesus. Not your ability to prevent this season from hurting you. To have faith in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and in this season, in, in this season in, in, in the United States, like, uh, like you can get on TikTok and watch soldiers in the Ukrainian war murdering people. It's, we live in the most, um, the crazy season we've ever lived in as a human race. Never before have you been able to be present in a war on the other side of the country in real time. It's, it's never happened before. Um, there's gun violence in Texas this last week, that if it did not grieve you, it's time to get a heart check with Jesus, right? If you think there's nothing that we can do about that, it's time to expand your prophetic imagination. Like, there, you have been boxed in by a lie to think that we can't stop that. If Jesus Christ can, can, can be risen from the dead, we can stop gun violence. We can stop hunger. We can stop abortion. We can stop uh, the death penalty, we, we can stop death. <laughs> to, think that, to think that we follow a God that conquered death and that we're powerless against death is to deny the resurrection. Yes. Yes. 
I'll say that all day long. They done started, they don't open a gun shop in this plaza. I'm like, okay, devil, I see what you're doing. I, I now thank you. For, I'll remind me every day to stop gun violence in this country. I'll pray it every single day. I'll remember now. You can put it in front, or I can lament. I don't want to live in lamentations. I don't, anybody, okay. Amen. Let's go on with our, let's go on here in, um, in Acts chapter, excuse me. Yeah, Acts chapter one. Watch this. So Jesus had told them, Jesus had told them, if you remember, uh, You've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized not many days from now by the Spirit. Verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says, so when they had come together, they were asking Jesus, saying, Lord, is it time you are, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. And after he'd said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, we're going to do a little Bible study, all right? I, I, I wanted to preach this message, but I just feel like I need to teach it into your spirit, man. So when we interpret the Bible, the first thing we have to ask is, what did it mean for the people it was being written to? If you don't understand what it meant for the people being written to, you are going to falsely interpret it for this time in your life. Amen? Oh, I want to go down that bunny trail, but I'm not going to. So why, why did Jesus ascend instead of disappearing? Right? Why, why did he float up into the sky? Because not for nothing, the earth is not flat. Right? And so like if he were to ascend in Australia, that would be descending to us. Right? You, you understand this. Like the earth is not flat. And so he ascended. And so, so an atheist would argue, you know, like the, the people in the Bible didn't know the earth was round. And so they said ascended. And that's stupid. Right? That's, it's like the Lord can do whatever he wants to whatever he wants. Right? Like you ever get a prophetic word and someone else tries to interpret it and you're like, it meant none of that. Right? Like you couldn't be more wrong on what this word meant. Right? Like I knew what it meant because not for nothing it was to me. Right, So the people, this, this meant something very specific to them. Now, I want you to follow me here for a second. In the Greco-Roman period, from about uh, the first century B.C. to the first century A.D., um, starting with Julius Caesar, they went from being a, a form of government to really a religion. Right, So the Caesars, who was the head of the Roman uh, government, uh, you know, they had different names, um, Julius Caesar, Caesar is the title, uh, began calling himself a god, right? So he kind of, he changed it for being a, a form of government to a religion. And that's why we need to make sure we never let our government officials think that they're something more than just a person here to serve us, right? And so he began making himself a god, and then he died, which causes problems if you're god, right? So if you're a god and you die, that's a problem. Right, because now death has power over you. So what they did was they um, started the teaching during Julius Caesar and after his death. They decided that these Greco-Roman leaders, after they died, ascended to heaven and now are among the pantheon of gods ruling over the world. So for the first time, you had these humans that were considered resurrected gods. The only problem is they were still buried in a grave. Right? You see the problem here. So, this book is written, and Jesus ministered to people who thought that their former presidents were gods, and that when they died, they were now in heaven, ruling over people. Right? But the Bible was written over and over again to destroy the notion of false gods. From the very beginning, all throughout first and second, I mean, all throughout the Bible, it was written to dethrone gods. I don't have time to get into that now because I've already gone too long. I hope you're getting something out of this. If you study the plagues in Egypt, you remember the plagues? All the plagues that God used were direct contrast to gods that the Egyptians worshipped. Every single one of them, they thought that they had control over the water, and so he turned the water to blood. They thought they had control over crops, so he sent locusts to destroy the crops. Like, there was a God for each of those that God was dethroning with a plague, right? So all throughout the Scriptures, 
All throughout the scriptures, God is dethroning gods. And so they thought that the Greco-Roman rulers of the day were gods and ascended. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to come back from the dead. I'm going to walk around and let everybody know that I'm alive. And you're actually going to watch me descend into heaven, right? They have, they have myths about gods ascending into heaven. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I'm going to show you what a real God ascending into heaven looks like. And then he flew up into heaven and was assumed into the clouds, right? This was him purposefully teaching the people of the day that we have a true God. In other words, Jesus ascended that we might know that he alone is the king of heaven. Can you say amen? He was letting them know that he alone, he wasn't there with Caesar. He wasn't there with no Roma. He wasn't there with Thor or Orion. He alone ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand. Listen, we don't need another God. We don't have to put our faith in what we can do or what we can get right, we only need to put our faith in Jesus Christ, the ascended God who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, this is super, super important. I can't tell you how theologically important this is. Gee, we talked about this before. Jesus Christ was fully God, and he was fully man. There was, there's kind of a, a, a false teaching on what's called the kenosis, the outpouring of himself, that Jesus was on the earth only as man, demonstrating some stuff. But if he was only as man, then he wasn't fully God on earth, then God and man has not been joined together. See, since he was fully God and fully man, when he ascended into heaven, I want you to see this, we now have a physical human representation in the Godhead who's there interceding for us. There is flesh in heaven interceding at the right hand of the Father, eternally joined to God. Because Jesus Christ is fully God, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, we have a place with Him in heaven. That is why it is important that we get this. The Bible is written to destroy false gods. This is how Paul wrote about it in Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 19, he says, And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who, watch this, Believe the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who, what's the word? Believe. That means we've come into alignment with the truth, right? Watch this. That these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. Talking about the Father. And he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Put verse 20 back up. Listen, I'm going long, but this is important. I want you to get this. This is going to change your life. He is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, if you have a Bible that is a word-for-word translation and not like a thought-for-thought translation, you will notice that the word places there is in italics. If you don't own a Bible and you don't know what I'm talking about, we have free Bibles in the lobby, right? So uh, it, this, when, since it's in italics, if you have a New King James Version, NASB, if you have a, um, a King James, um, NRSV, uh, it, that means that that word isn't really in the Scriptures, uh, but it's there to help you understand. So really it just says, is that the right hand in the heavenly? Uh, which is a little confusing. That's, that's uh, eparaneous is the word there. And uh, the word eparaneous... Uh, it, it, what it says is, uh, you know, you can read it in English and it looks like there's a place in Google Maps called heaven and that's the place you want to go. Like there's a physical location called heaven, right? And Jesus left here and went to that place. But that's, that's, not, that's not really what it means. That eparaneous means the, the kingly realm of God. The, 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 the rain, where God reigns, the location and the realm that God is fully enthroned. It, 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 means that, it means that Jesus went from this material realm into the kingly God realm. Instead of thinking that he left here to go there, it's more important to understand that all of time and all of reality is already inside of Christ. 
And Jesus Christ was, uh, we're assumed, as he ascended, we were fully assumed back into him. He then went into the heavenly, heavenly realm with his father. And since Jesus ascended to heavenly places in the flesh, humanity has a re- representative in the council of God. That epiraneous literally means the place of God's council. And so, I, I um, again, I've been in meetings where they say, we're all going to fly off into heavenly places. God is going to catch you up into heavenly places. And I've been in those meetings, and I've been focusing, and I see all kinds of stuff as if I need to leave here to get there. When Jesus went there so heavenly places can come here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> The theological notion that I need to leave here to get to heavenly places is to negate the very thing that Jesus came to do. Jesus came in the flesh so that flesh could dwell in heavenly places. Those who believe in Christ are caught up into this God realm where we are, have access to Him, that we are seated with Him, that we have relationship with Him, that God is not in some other celestial realm. Well, what does that mean for me, pastor? That's great. I didn't go to seminary. What does that have to do with me? Let me tell you what that has to do with you. You are not alone. You are not away from God. God is not in some other place that you need magic people to lay their magic hands on you so you can get to where God is. By faith in Jesus Christ, you have the God, the very resurrected King who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Since flesh is there at the right hand of the Father, you are at the right hand of the Father. Since Christ, the God-man, is there, you are there. And since God, the Spirit, is here with us, that means not only is He there and you're with Him, but He is here. And God is with us right here in this desert season. That's a good word right there. Watch this. He says, and he has put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of Christ, who is who fills all and all. Alex, come up if you would. This, 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 this is what's up. He put all things in subjection under his feet. I have preached. A whole bunch of messages on God is not in control. God is letting. And I just, the Lord was like, if I'm not in control, then who is you? I'm like, well, I hope not because I need more than me. I done seen what I can produce. Jesus is like, maybe I am in control. Maybe I am God. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Listen, listen, you could trust Jesus. Jesus gives you free will. Jesus gives you options, but Jesus never stops being God. Jesus never, never stops being God. And when you're in your wilderness season, man, I, 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 I've been in the, in the wilderness and it feels like, it feels like you are just, it's just you and nothing else. And the only voices that come in are the voices that say you're not going to make it. Everybody's going to see that you failed. Everybody's going to know it. They're going to laugh at you. You're going to get sick and die. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be poor. You're going to be homeless. All these voices come in that desert. You're never going to find that business. You're never going to find that spouse. You're never going to come into that ministry. It's every lie. Every lie. But the Bible here says that He put all those things under his feet. And sometimes the Lord sends you into a wilderness. I mean, I I believe this so strongly. So you can hear the lies that you've been believing. And you get to make a choice. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I in control? No. You know, God is in control, but um, I get to choose who I cooperate with. I can fight with God's control or I can cooperate with God's control. And in that wilderness, when all those lies come out, 
you get to say, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I don't see God's promises in my life, but I believe. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells me that in believing, I will have eternal life. And so I get a choice. Am I going to reminisce or am I going to be stuck in melancholy? And I'm here to let you know, I've had seasons of melancholy. They're not as good as the reminiscing, right? And reminiscing is not as great as the looking forward. But so if you can't look forward, at least reminisce on the good and skip past the melancholy because God is not off in some heavenly place that he's waiting for you to get into the right service that you can get caught up to go see him. I love those services. I love when the Lord visits me and catches me up and lets me see things that I could not know on my own. I love when he gives me prophetic words about the future. I love when he gives me uh, visions and understanding and all that. But I like it better when he visits me here and lets me know, hey, Carl, that you're going to be able to pay your mortgage. Your family's going to be okay. The sickness won't be unto death. Uh, the battle will not be forever. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Your kids are actually going to glorify God. Things are going to work out. And I'm going to empower you for this next season. Stand with me if you would. Listen, I want to hear to let you know. I want you to get this in your spirit. He said, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is his body, the fullness of him. I want you to know this. All of you who have Revival Life Church as your church, who is part of the body of Christ, put it up, Josh. When you are part of the church, Jesus Christ is the head of your life. You may not know it right now. You may not see it right now. People on the outside may be lying to you, telling you that you need to take control and you need to do this and you need to be scared of that. I'm here to let you know that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Listen, I, I, I've dealt with a lot of demonized people in my life. Some of them wanted deliverance. Most don't. I've decided in my life I'm not casting the devil out of anybody who wants to be oppressed. You can have whatever you want. I'm not going to put on a show with your deliverance. We're not going to be entertained by the demonic. Never going to embarrass anybody who wants freedom from Jesus. Jesus, that's just not God. But I've seen a pattern. I've seen a pattern of demonized church leaders. I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's for me. I don't know. They always operate in fear. They want to make you scared. If you don't get it right, if you listen to that person, isolate you got to isolate people, get them scared, and keep them busy. That, that's how cults work. That's how cults work. Isolate them, make them scared, keep them busy. Jesus Christ has come to set you free. He has come to set you free. He has come to set you free. He is seated in heavenly places. And so are you. And He is on the earth by His Spirit, and so are you. And He wants to anoint you in this desert season that you can bring deliverance to someone else. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Well, what's going to happen then? Well, we're going to celebrate Pentecost. I, I can't tell you what God's going to do. I can tell you what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate the sending of His Spirit. But between now and then, Monday through, set, through Friday... I'm going to have a noon prayer meeting on Instagram Live on the church Instagram. You want to join me? We're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer together. We're going to have a little devotion. We'll pray through the Lord. Just a couple minutes at noon every day. You know, if you're at work, just kind of put it in your pocket. You listen to music anyways at work. Don't lie. You text, you know. Three things I want you to do this week if you're in a desert season. Number one, I want you to commit to praying through the Lord's Prayer every day. Commit to praying through the Lord's Prayer every day. Number two, if you're in a desert season, read a psalm every day. At least one. 
It'll minister to your soul. You might want to read a lot, but read a psalm every day. And in your reading, I want you to trust God to speak a verse to you. Number three, I want you to declare that word over your life, even if you don't believe it. And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Alex here is going to sing a a, a bridge of something. And we're going to sing it over our lives. The Lord's going to move here real quick before we go. I went long, but I feel like the Lord did something today. We will trust and believe you, Jesus. Deserts will bloom Come on. in the light of your love. Oh, valleys make room for the river of God. Cause deserts will bloom yeah, in the light of your love. Yeah, valleys make room for the river will bloom in the light of your love and valleys may roll for the river of God yeah deserts will bloom in the light of your love valleys may roll for the river Come on, you might be in a desert, but I want you to discern Christ is with you right now. Come on, he's with you right now. Come on. Valleys may room. Fire of God is here. Deserts will bloom in the light of your love. Yeah, valleys may room. Rivers in the desert. The rivers in the desert. Fire you God. never run dry. Never run Come on. Dry, There's healing in the room right now. I feel dry. it. He's healing hearts. He's healing bodies right now. Come on. Never run dry. Never run dry. Never run dry. Anointing of God. Come on. Lord, you never run dry. Never run dry. Never run dry. I see the Lord is healing scar tissue on hearts. You never run dry. Never run dry, never run dry. You never, never run dry, never run dry, never run dry, Lord. Lord, you never run dry, never run dry, never run dry. Lord, you never run dry, never run dry, never run dry. There is a river that runs. There is a river that runs, and in the center of the river is a tree, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And I sense that tree is here today, and the Lord is healing hearts in this room right now. Come on. Shekabah, that river never runs dry for you. And I would just say right now, under the sound of my voice, if you're away from God, I would be remiss to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus right now. I want you to choose right now to believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life and He was murdered for your sins. He died on a cross and was buried in a tomb and on the third day He rose again. Keep playing. He rose again on the third day where He walked and did miracles and He ascended to the right hand of the Father and one day He is returning to judge the living and the dead and by you believing in him today you can have everlasting life and in this moment I want you to just pray in your own way Jesus Christ I believe that you are my savior you are my messiah 
And the promise is that if you believe, He will fill you with the Spirit of God. Shake. I want you to pray it right now. Jesus Christ, I believe. Put your hand on somebody near you and just declare, I declare a fresh filling in your life. A fresh filling of the Holy Ghost in your life. And that the healing of that river will come. You online today who are not able to make it, I declare in your life, rivers of living water. Tech team, make sure you're ministering to one another. I declare healing in the name of Jesus. Healing over the children in the back room. Healing over those families suffering right now in Texas of that devilish plan. Healing over the people in this house who've just had surgery. We declare healing over those who have sickness in their families today. Healing over Ed as he's recovering. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing over every misunderstood person. Healing over every person battling with something who's part of this church, who left this church. Healing over their hearts. Restoration of calls and ministries, Lord. Restoration of vision over people. Thank You, Jesus, that You are alive. You are alive forevermore. You are alive forevermore, and it's You we put our faith in. So I declare over You today, blessings. That You would go in blessings this week. And I'll see You at noon on Instagram, Revival Life Church. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to say hello to you in the, in the lobby. Feel free to sit in this presence as long as you need to. We love you. We bless you. You ready, Brandon? In Jesus' name, go in peace. Amen. Amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord if you would. Love somebody near you. Amen.